she has become one of the most contentious figures in the Senate. And tonight, on Narrative, we'll expose Kirsten Sinema's GOP billionaire donors. Thanks to BetterHelp for supporting tonight's investigation. For 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com forward slash zev. That's betterhelp.com forward slash zev. Start living a better life today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Narrative Live on a Wednesday evening. It's so good to be with you on Twitter and YouTube. And of course, it's good to have a great conversation tonight as we've been advertising with Laurie Roberts, who's from the Arizona Republic, the great publication. And also the website is called AZ Central. Is that right? AZCentral.com. There you go. Uh, Laurie, thank you so much for being here. Uh, we're really excited to talk to you about all things Arizona because there is so much going on. We're going to touch a little bit about uh, cinema, of course, because we have to talk about Kristen Cinema and this incredible amount of funding she seems to be getting from these GOP funders. But we'll also be talking a lot about other things going in Arizona because it seems to me that Arizona is the new Florida. Every bit of news seems to come out of there. What's going on? How come the, how come the state is so topsy-turvy these days? Our state model is you can't spell crazy without AZ. And that has been the case for a long time. I mean, we have a state that um, is roughly a third, a third, a third Republican, independent and Democratic. But the Republicans have the grip on control at the statewide level. And you wouldn't know that two thirds of the state are not Republicans. And even within the Republican Party, there are plenty of people who haven't lost their minds and joined the in the hero worship of one particular individual. Yeah. It does seem to me like the system in many of these states have just been rigged towards Republicans. And it's not only just Republicans, it's sort of the loonier parts of the Republican spectrum. It's sort of the you know, the real outliers uh, who seem to be taking uh, large roles. And we see it especially in Arizona, where there's been these wacky audits and so much else. Well, the Republican Party here is in the grip of the far right, who has long been um, a Trump ally and fan, ran for Congress or for the Senate several times herself and has never managed to win. Mm -hmm. But she pretty much controls the party in Arizona and the tone of politics in this state. When you are wandering around the streets of Phoenix or wherever you are, do you feel like there's a sense of people sort of having complacency around politics or are people still fighting to fix the system? I think that, well, everybody's at each other's throats over Mm. everything anymore, whether it's the attacks on the schools, whether it's the budget, the, um, uh, of course, we're still stuck in the time warp of November 3rd, 2020. We're still auditing an election. It's an audit that never (laughs) ends, even though the auditors have concluded that there was no evidence of fraud. That hasn't slowed them down a bit. So you have a lot of people who are at each other's throats. You have a lot of other people who are just completely turned off and don't want to hear about it. And of course, those are the people who will, assuming that they vote this year, will decide the election. Right. If, assuming they vote. Assuming they vote. And that's because there's not any, uh, is there enough democratic opposition there? Are there there enough, you know, is there enough people running for office in in Arizona to really take on the Republicans? Or is it just a lost cause? There's plenty of people running, but Republicans Mm. will traditionally in a midterm election already have a three to four to five percent party advantage simply because of turnout. They Mm. turn out 
and, and they turn out big, whereas Democrats historically have not as much. They've put more energy and effort into that in the last few years. And certainly the, the prospect of Donald Trump brought them out in droves in 2020. And so we'll see in 2022 if they can muster that kind of thing again. The can't, we have a governor's race, a huge Senate race. Um, so lots of reasons for people to tune in and to turn out for Absolutely. the election. It's going to be an interesting year. Gal Suburban is one of our regulars here on the show. She'll be joining us in just a few minutes. But before we get there, I wanted to tell everyone about the story that caught everyone's attention. There's a tweet that I sent out yesterday was retweeted many, many times. I think 7,000 views or something like that or likes on this thing, maybe 145,000 views to be accurate. This is the story all about Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin's about face and how it may have happened thanks to some Republican donors. Let's take a look. Yesterday, I posted a tweet that went viral. Maybe you saw it. It read something like this. Some of the millions of dollars newly deposited into Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin's campaign coffers are being steered there by Jeff Miller, Kevin McCarthy, Carthy's chief bankroller and formerly Rick Perry's top political aide. Of course, it's highly unconventional for two Democratic senators to be getting big checks from across the aisle, but occasionally it does happen. But the timing and the circumstances of this cross-party donation really leaves one wondering if the two so-called moderate Democrats decided to block the voters' rights bill and block the Build Back Better plan because of their newfound support from some GOP moneyed men. Both Manchin and Cinema traveled to Dallas for separate fundraisers at the home of Texas billionaire Brent Ryan. He's a tax consultant. He's obviously a very good tax consultant because he lives in this very large $18 million home, one of the most expensive homes in Dallas. It's also where a lot of political deal making happens in Texas. This is the home where all the schmoozing gets done with the politicians. A lot of you have been asking me what the source of my reporting is, and it comes from the Associated Press. G. Brent Ryan, a Republican donor who hosted Mr. Manchin and Ms. Cinema for separate fundraisers at his Dallas mansion. Ryan also told the New York Times that Manchin and Cinema were out of step with their party, but that he tended to believe that they're in the right. Well, of course he does. He supports the other party. Ryan had never donated to Cinema before, but he did donate $1,000 to Manchin in 18. But other than that, one donation to Manchin in 2018. There's no indication that he's ever supported Democrats before. In fact, his flirtation with Democrats this time is very, very new indeed. Ryan is, of course, very close to Republicans, including former President Donald Trump, whom he advised on tax policy during the 2016 campaign. It's fair. He owns a tax firm. Of course, he'd consulted tax issues. But there's also a pattern when you study Ryan's history. He and his friends like to lobby their politician friends for tax breaks, which just so happened to benefit Ryan's clients perfectly. One of the partners in Mr. Ryan's tax consulting firm is this gentleman named Jeff Miller, a corporate lobbyist and a close political advisor to Representative Kevin McCarthy of California, the House Republican leader. You may also recall Rick Perry's ill-fated run for the presidency in 2012. You can't forget that one, of course, in which Perry, among other things, called for the elimination of the Department of Energy and the Education Department. Well, it was Jeff Miller who picked up the pieces after that disastrous campaign and pulled Rick Perry back together. He engineered Rick Perry's recovery from being literally a punchline to a potential frontline candidate in 2016. But Perry is not the sharpest knife in the drawer. We all know that. But it doesn't matter because Rick Perry, everyone thought, could fundraise like nobody's business. Well, what that really meant is that his chief strategist, Jeff Miller, could fundraise like nobody's business. 
Where does Miller get all his money from? Well, his rich friends, of course, some opaque interest groups we can't identify, and some dark money funders we can't identify either. When there's funny money, there's always a pattern. And in this case, it's really interesting. Miller does this quite a bit, and he did it particularly when he worked for Rick Perry at the department that Rick Perry wanted to abolish, the very Department of Energy. Of course, when Perry was the Secretary of Energy, Miller worked for him at the Department of Energy as his advisor. He also, at the same time, ran a lobbying firm while also fundraising for Donald Trump. No conflicts of interest there. In addition to being Perry's benefactor or bagman, Miller has also known Kevin McCarthy for 30 years. So this is not a new friendship that he just made with Kevin McCarthy. Kevin McCarthy has been a project and he's now a advisor to the wannabe speaker. Miller is also very close to another wannabe, this time potentially for president, Donald Trump Jr. Mr. Ryan and his associates gave Ms. Cinema $80,000 for her campaign and more than $115,000 to Mr. Mansions. But we don't know who else was there. So we don't know if she got funding from other big spenders in the GOP world that we're not able to piece together as coming from Ryan's circle. The $2.6 million raised by Ms. Cinema's campaign this year through the first nine months, really, till September, was two and a half times as much as she raised in the same period last year. And Mr. Manchin, $3.3 million raised is 14 times as much as the haul he brought into his campaign through September last year. So that's an interesting um, story, isn't it, Laurie? I mean, you're looking at someone who's potentially cast herself as a progressive going down to Texas and dipping into some oil money for really no apparent reason this year. She's not even up for re-election for uh, another four years. So what do you think is going on here? Well, I wouldn't call Kirsten Sinema a progressive. That is right. certainly her background. Back 20 years ago, she yeah. became a member of the Green Party, an activist yeah. who put on a tutu and lead anti-war protests. She, though, learned that in the state of Arizona, if you want to move up the political food chain, you can, you're not going to do it by being a bomb thrower from the left. You've got to come to the middle. So that became Kirsten Sinema's brand is I'm a centrist. I'm not really a Democrat. I'm not really a Republican. I'm not beholden to anybody. I'm just going to vote what's good for my constituents, mm. by which she means I'm just going to vote for what's good for me. It In other words, so. to get me reelected. Yeah. So it shouldn't have been a shock to Democrats that Kirsten Sinema wasn't going to go with them on ending the filibuster. She mm. was never going to do that. If you look at polling within Arizona, Republicans, of course, want to end the filibuster. Democrats don't want to end the filibuster. But you look at independents, and they are very important. They are the crucial group of voters for mm -hmm. Kirsten Sinema, or really for anyone anymore. Yeah. And they are of mixed views on the filibuster. Um, the re most recent poll I had saw actually had more independents leaning toward the Republican point of view on the issue of ending the filibuster. Mm. Now, they were OK with ending it for a single bill, the voting rights bill. But, right. but I think that it would hurt her politically to end the filibuster. On the other hand, it's probably also going to hurt her politically, given the Democratic response to not have gone along and towed the party line. So Absolutely. I think the best news for Kirsten sentiment is that 2024 is a ways away. Yeah. And I mean, you want me to talk about this some more? Because yeah, sure. Go ahead. Kirsten is facing a real problem in that Democratic congressman from here, Ruben Gallego, is furious. And he's certainly flirting with the idea of primarying her. Mm -hmm. To primary 
a sitting senator is almost an unheard of thing. And yet that's how mad Democrats are here. Over the weekend, the state Democratic Party voted to actually censure Kirsten Sinema, which actually is probably a gift to her in a way, because most voters don't care about that stuff. The censor doesn't really matter. And in fact, she can say, well, I'm just like John McCain because the Republican Party censured him too. Right. So, but the specter of Ruben Gallego, who has a great backstory, who has, would presumably have access to tons of money to primary her could cause her a problem. The problem, of course, for Democrats is, is that, and polling shows that at this point, if the election were today, Gallego would overwhelmingly defeat cinema. Mm-hmm. The problem then becomes who is the Republican candidate? If it is a crazy far right winger, well, then sure, Ruben Gallego might have a chance of winning. If the Republicans regain some sanity between now and 2024 and put up an establishment sort of conservative Republican who actually gets back to talking ideology and ideas, Ruben Gallego could have a real problem because this state is just not quite as purple as it needs to be for someone from the far left or from the progressive side of the party to win a statewide race in this state. It's just mm. not there yet. It'll get there. Demographics are not the Republicans' yeah. friends. But I heard will that. it get there by 2024? I heard there's 140,000 uh, new voters just coming of age, uh, Latino voters mostly coming of age in just in the next two years, or maybe even this year. Right. So yeah, right. it's going to really change the dynamics there. Gal Suburban is with us uh, just by voice. Uh, but Gal, you there? Can you hear us? Yep, I'm here. Hi. Uh, hi, hi, hi. You saw the story I just ran, and I know you ran a thread on this yesterday on Twitter. What do you uh, make of this Jeff Miller character and his relationship with, with Mr. Ryan and then also uh, with cinema? Yeah, it's really interesting. I was kind of digging into it, like you said, last night, and he's kind of mobby looking, this guy, Jeff Miller. He seems to be able to, you know, have access to a lot of money and a lot of people, but it looks like he is closely related to Ryan LLC, or he's the, I want to say maybe vice president, which, um, yeah. yeah. And I looked at the Ryan pack. It's a campaign finance political action committee that they have. And consistently they had been contributing only to Republicans until this last cycle. So it's really interesting how the Ryan pack itself completely shifted parties where they're contributing their money. It's interesting that they, it was, uh, I think, uh, in the summer that Mansion went and towards September that Cinema went for their own separate fundraisers at uh, Ryan's very fabulous mansion there in Dallas. That seems to me like a, you know, convenient switch over. It doesn't seem to me like he's a genuine Democrat. He's just there to grease their palms. And uh, they obviously went and gladly took the money. Yeah. And it looks like Miller and McCarthy go pretty far back, like you would said. I mean, yeah, 30 years, I've I got a quote here from the Washington Examiner that Miller said McCarthy taught him how to dress. Yeah, sorry. I mean, like, you right. know, so they're buddies, That's you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he was very uh, new in politics and it was something to do with his shoes or his shirt or something like that. So uh, when you look at the prognosis next year, uh, Laurie, like, sorry, this year, what do you think is going to happen in Arizona in terms of the actual elections that are running this year? Oh boy, we got two hot ones. You have yeah. the um, Senator Mark Kelly has to stand for re-election, right. having just been elected in 2012, because that was to finish out the end of John McCain's term. Now he's got to run for his own term. Republicans have the long knives out for him. There yeah. are, I think, 
three candidates all gunning for Donald Trump's endorsement, desperate to get it. One of them is the attorney general of the state, who interestingly is under pressure to bring indictments as a result of the fraud that nobody can find in last year. Or I was going to ask you about that. Because it seems that Arizona yeah. is the only state that hasn't really done anything. It, like, there's no indictments around these fraudulent because electors and there's no indictment around... Nobody can find the fraud. It doesn't seem to matter. But yeah. I mean, you, as you well know, if you've been paying attention, the, the cyber ninjas swooped into Arizona to do the basically Trump supporter funded audit of the 2020 election. You, you know, ballots spinning on lazy Susans and 5G photographs. And they, they did everything but proctology exams yeah. on these ballots. <laughs> and in the end, they found no evidence of any widespread fraud. They did find what they call anomalies, but they even said, well, it could be that the county can explain these to us. Maybe we just don't understand, or maybe there's just something that's not apparent to us. Well, there was a lot that wasn't apparent to the ninjas because the ninjas had never done an election audit, had never been involved with elections, don't have a clue how to judge what's going on. So the county spent three months going through their report of all these anomalies And they came up with, of the 70, I think there were 75 conclusion anomalies that the cyber ninjas found. The um, county debunked in great detail, 74 of the 75. But they did acknowledge, they did find 87 votes that were problematic. There were 50 votes, a a scan that a county worker accidentally scanned twice. And so the votes were counted twice. And then there were 37 votes that were questionable, either dead people voting or people that voted twice in maybe different counties. Um, Now, that is 87 votes out of 2.1 million cast, which is an incredible That's a pretty good election, right? I mean, that's a a pretty darn good election when you consider they're always going to be human error. So the problem is, is that the Trump contingent of the Republican Party never missed a beat on screaming, stop the steal, and there's fraud, there's fraud, there's fraud. They're continuing to do it. And they just, they're just outright lying about what was found in that audit. But this is the weird part is that we're to the point where facts don't seem to matter to people. I get notes all the time from people saying, you're lying when you say there was no fraud. There was this and this and this. I just heard it from Mark Fincham, who's running to be, he's a Trump endorsed candidate who's running to be our secretary of state so that he can be in charge of our elections in the future. And from Carrie Lake, a Trump endorsed candidate for governor, who just flatly says the election was stolen, despite the fact that everything she throws out there has been debunked, explained with proof. But facts don't matter anymore because that contingent of the party doesn't believe them. So how can you have a conversation with people, a reasonable conversation, if we can't even agree on a set of facts? Mm, And that's the problem in this state. So it's going to be a wild election. I didn't really talk about the governor's race. In the governor's race, you have our secretary of state, Democrat, Katie Hobbs, who oversaw the elections, the one who they're calling for indictments against. She'll be the likely Democratic nominee and she will face off against one of oh i think it's we think we have four candidates all just like in the senate race are all chasing the trump endorsement but trump of course endorsed carrie lake who boy she's about as far right as you can get yeah. she used she was actually an obama supporter there are pictures of her that i think will crop up <laughs> i saw that i saw that on the, the next on twitter months. today yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. She's a, she said she was an obama supporter but she saw the light at some point and now she is so far to the right, I'm surprised she hasn't 
fallen off the cliff. <laughs> it's so interesting but, that people uh, are doing that shift. And, you know, what you're saying there is really important about people not, you know, there are two different belief systems in America now. And so it's really hard for either side to convince the, anyone on the other side that they're right, but particularly for the side that seems to be really accurate, which is the Democratic yeah. side, to convince anyone on the Republican side that they're being sold a lot of, you know, nonsense. It just seems impossible to get through to well, them. I will say that it's also tough for a traditional business conservative Republicans right now, because if they don't go far to the right, if they don't start running down to the border to pose in front of it and hopefully get a brown person behind you walking by, if they don't talk about a stolen election, if they don't do these things, if they don't talk about critical race theory in the schools, even though it's not being taught in the schools, then they have no chance in a primary. That's Mm. just where the electorate is, is right, right now. exactly so that's why it's, it's a problem for that party because it's going to hurt them in the short term because i don't think that those people can win statewide elections unless the democrats just shoot themselves in the foot which is mm. also mm. by the way is not popular he's not popular here you look at what's going on at the border here and he's not doing anything i missed you you had, you had a bit of a freeze on your screen there who, who do you say is not popular there Biden, Joe right, Biden, okay. he's got really? terrible rates. Uh, we're a border state, remember? Yeah, right. and, and we see what's happening on the border. And mm-hmm. you don't have to be wild eyed all about building the, you know, the biggest, longest, thickest wall in the world to also believe that we ought to have control over who's coming into our country. Mm-hmm. And we just don't. Yeah, that seems so, to be the, uh, the really weak point of the Biden administration is how they're handling immigration um, and immigration policy, because I think everyone has a strong opinion about it, not just uh, people on the border states. Narrative will be right back with Gal Suburban and Laurie Roberts. You could be on the path to solving the biggest challenge in your life by the end of this week. BetterHelp is the world's largest therapy platform, making professional therapy accessible, affordable and convenient. When you join BetterHelp, you'll be assigned your own licensed professional therapist in under 48 hours. Your sessions with your trusted therapist take place in a safe and private online environment. And you don't need to drive anywhere or sit in an uncomfortable waiting room. And no one but you and your therapist, that's it, needs to know about what you're doing. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches. So if you don't like your counselor, no problem. It's free and easy to switch. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is also available. Anything you share is confidential. BetterHelp is convenient, professional, and affordable. Start living a happier life today. Get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com forward slash zev. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. That's betterhelp, B-E-T-T-E-R, help, H-E-L-P, dot com forward slash zev for 10% off your first month. Thank you, BetterHelp. You know, there's some news tonight about the audit and about the people who did the audit. Uh, the Rolling Stone magazine published these emails today revealing yet another plot, <laughs> an, an, an endless amount of plots um, related to the count in the Arizona vote. And this time it revolved around getting a scan of mail-in and absentee ballots in populous counties like Maricopa County and removing the invalid votes and then recertifying the state's 2020 election count. So in addition to everything else they've been alleging, they had this other plan to basically go through all the the absentee ballots and then scan them using some sort of new technology and then deliver, you know, a different result on the other side of that. 
Um, have you been following any of this? Has it shown up in your world yet? It seems quite new. Uh, I'm not that familiar with that, but it certainly goes along with the plot to have fake electors who 11 people, the, including the state Republican Party chairwoman, Kelly Ward, who sat as Trump electors on Electoral College Day when all the elect- and avowed on a sworn statement that they were duly elected, yeah. certified. Uh-huh. To be, you know, even though Biden had won the election. So I think that was all, it's all part of the same plot. Let's get control. Let, we've got Representatives Paul Gozar and Andy Biggs and Debbie Lesko and other conservative congressmen who were all set to deny, to uh, reject Arizona's vote on January 6th. Meanwhile, you have these other fake electors who are weighing in the wings to say, well, you know, we here and we've certified our own vote. So, yeah, scanning in the ballots and saying we'll decide which ballots are valid and which ones are not. Why not? Yeah. Why not? And the yes. interesting thing is, though, that, is that all of this was coming from out of state and our politicians were going along with it. I don't know. You know, and I mean, some politicians who who were respected mm. Republicans. It's how we ended up with this crazy audit as well. Here's an interesting email that uh, showed up today um, as one related to this whole scheme. And this actually was written, if I'm not mistaken, by Phil Waldron, who yeah, I don't know if you're aware of him. He was up there a lot, actually. Yes, I I think you, you know, he's uh, he's a guy with a PowerPoint who helped uh, come up with this PowerPoint presentation uh, about how they were going to overthrow the elections. Well, this email from him, so it's to Gunny, who's Senator Borelli. Here is Arizona's data reporting that our team put together. It's, it might be the Ninja team, I think. And also, just so you're aware, we have the capability to identify fraudulent ballots via optical scanning technology. So if, as a negotiation point, they don't want to give access to the machines, but we can get access to the scanned ballot images for Maricopa County and Pima County, we should be able to identify ballots that were A, machine printed or filled out, or two, not folded or put into an envelope, or three, have barcodes that have been machine altered. The scanned ballot uh, images are part of the documents and must be retained for 22 months under federal law. Uh, you know, oh. it sounds like they're hanging chads almost. It sounds like that. No, but of- all of that was done during the audit as well. Yeah, they yeah. used all of their technology, their kinematic, whatever it was. Uh, oh, so they, they took pictures of stuff and they weighed ballots. And then, you know, that was the famous look for bamboo in ballots. Right. I don't know if you uh, remember that one. Yeah, I remember that as well. I, I always said, I don't understand why you just don't bring a bunch of panda bears in here, throw the ballots on the ground. <laughs> if they eat them, we'll know there was bamboo. But, but, yeah, they, you know, they did all of that. Every kind of photograph trying to find these bony ballots, they could not find them. And these were Trump supporters who were looking for them. Yeah, it's just it's, it's, it's all just uh, crazy. It's it is crazy. Craziness. But I'll tell you what, crazy yeah. like a fox, because <laughs> a lot of people's political profiles have they become rock stars on the right. Their fundraising has gone off the charts. So, you know, a lot of people have made a lot of money off of this and a lot of political futures. Yeah, absolutely. You're totally right there. Gal, do you have any thoughts about these new emails that showed up about the scanning of these ballot papers? Yeah, so I actually um, I read his um, uh, Joe Von uh, Hutton Pulitzer, which is not even his real name. He yeah. changed his name to that, which I don't know why I picked that. But I did read <laughs> his original affidavit that he had submitted to the court in Arizona about this kinematic artifact detection. Artifact detection. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's nonsense. It do- none of it even. It essentially, one of the sentences like, based on my expertise, I can recognize in a document whether or not the document has been folded or bent. Wow. What he doesn't, I what mean, he doesn't what a technology. Though. 
That'll, that goes to one of the fundamental misperceptions of these people. They think that, okay, if you have an early ballot, it had to be folded and put it in an envelope. And therefore, if there's no fold, aha, we've got them. Mm-hmm. Well, early ballots are also something in Arizona that you can do by going to an early voting center. And if you go to the voting center and say, I want to fill out an early ballot, they hand you a ballot. It's never been folded. It never will be folded, but mm-hmm. it's still a legitimate early ballot. And yet you got Joe Vaughn coming to town saying, oh, you know, I can detect this stuff. And then when you would ask him, how does it work? Well, I can't tell you that. It's like the music man. If you it just creates a little that. bit of doubt, a little bit of doubt. Yeah, I haven't seen the music man, but go ahead. Yeah, that's it. all they needed. Yeah. yeah. You know, just buy band uniforms and I'll teach you how to play music, but we never can. So right. yeah, we bought it. He was involved in the Arizona audit and you know, nothing came of it. Oh, I just had a question um, because I know that canvassing was a big thing push for the people who are running the audit, right? And you had right. Liz Harrington and actually Matt Brainerd was out there running a bunch of canvassing mm-hmm. operations. Did anything ever come of that? Because I've seen recently yeah. they've talked about, oh, it was an empty field or, you know, making oh, it crazy stuff. It, was, it took about, I don't know, I want to say five, maybe six minutes serious questions about the report that came out on canvassing. The original audit was supposed to do official canvassing, which is an art. There's an art to that kind of thing. Mm. People who are involved in elections will tell you because people don't want to answer questions. They don't want to answer the door. And you have to be careful about how you do that. You also have to be careful about not intimidating people or tromping all over the right. So ultimately, they took that part out of the audit. And instead, a group of volunteers decided to start going door to door, asking people, you know, did you vote? Did you get a ballot? And they came up with a report. And on the cover of the report was this big empty field. And on it, it said two voters voted for here, but this is an empty field. And you're looking at this field and indeed it is empty. But then you go and look on county real estate records and there was more to that field than just what they had. It was, in fact, a four acre lot and the house on that particular (laughs) field was in another portion of the property that they didn't recognize was part of the property where, guess what, two voters live. So then they said, well, we'll change the cover of our report. And they came up with a a location in another suburb of Tempe saying, this is a vacant lot. And yet it says somebody voted from here. Well, what they didn't understand was at the time of the election, that wasn't a vacant lot. It's recently been you know, the building's taken off the lot uh, in order to prepare for redevelopment. And it was just, if you can't even get the cover of your report correct, <laughs> you know, and then there were problems throughout the report as well. But right. the problem being that well, it, I, it's not scientific yeah. and it wasn't particularly mm-hmm. accurate. And they don't understand that just because you're not living at an address now in 2022 doesn't mean that you weren't qualified to vote from there in 2020. Right. There's a lot of just uh, right. weird theories going around. Really, really interesting. Um, sorry, Gal, did you want to ask anything else there? Or I was just going to say, I think that some of the players that we're talking about, like Matt Brainerd, his office for his organization that he just popped up is out of the same office as Grover Norquist in Washington, really? D.C. So you have a lot of players that I think with those emails that just came out, they were talking about Zev and some of these people from all over the nation. It really shows, you know, a functioning conspiracy to alter either the state of mind of voters or the election itself and to really work towards decertifying these different states that they knew that in advance that they were going to lose. 
Yeah, it's, it really does look a very large scale conspiracy and it seems to have been going on for decades. I mean, it's not even something that's new. It seems to be a plan that's been you know, in the works for a very long time. Marie on uh, the chat is asking if it's always Rolling Stone, always same source. Actually, the emails that were leaked were leaked by uh, an organization called, and I've worked with them before, um, American Oversight or Oversight America. So that's where the documents come from. It's not Rolling Stone that had the scoop that I think they ran at first. That answers your question, Marie. That's uh, where we got that from. Then you're also saying libertarians here in the chat. Some upstate farmer is pointing out that there must be some gender discrimination in that conversation about mansion and cinema because mansion got twice as much money. Um, and uh, the rest of the stuff here, uh, there's no other specific questions. So um, if you guys have any other questions you want to ask, feel free to ask us. Miller tried to purchase these corrective value eyeglasses for Perry to make him look smart. It's also from Upstate Farmer. I don't remember that. Did Jeff Miller buy corrective eyeglasses for Perry to make him look smart? It didn't work. Maybe look smart. I don't know. Any other thoughts from anyone? No. Okay. So um, Gal, let's go back to that story about uh, Miller and Ryan. Tell me a little bit more if you know about Ryan's company, because there's a bit of a scandal in the background of Ryan LLC, isn't there? Um, actually, USA Today, it looks like, came out with a new story about Ryan LLC. And essentially, it looks like, you know, they're a, kind of a lobbying firm, but also what a tax accounting firm. So they essentially help big clients request refunds on their taxes. So for their businesses and what ultimately ends up happening, it seems is they overwhelm these offices that process these tax refunds. And I'll just show you like uh, in North Dakota, for instance, one of the you know regulations or laws on the books there is that when you're waiting for a refund that you're owed from a ta- um, from that, it's like a 10 and a half percent tax interest rate on that refund. So the longer that it takes for them to refund that tax money, the more money gets credited on top of that with that interest rate. Right. And apparently Ryan has kind of a way of overwhelming people with kind of useless, bogus documentation so that it extends the process, essentially making that 10 and a half interest rate, you know, accumulate more payback for their clients. So it's really kind of a schemey, yeah, you know, very aggressive between the lines kind of. There, yeah. Yeah. This is how he could afford this nice house. <laughs> it's a very nice house that he's got there. So uh, he must have different ways of doing, uh, of doing that. Um, and then, you know, he does the same thing as I mentioned in the story earlier on where he lobbies for these tax breaks that only apply to his clients. And he's got all these politician friends. So it's easy to go to them and say, you know, uh, you owe me one. Why don't you give him this tax break? And then he passes it on to just his clients. Um, quite an interesting way to run a business. We know, we know him in yeah. Arizona. Yeah. He, he actually had a oh scheme my- going here. He, he employed several of our governor, Republican Governor Doug Ducey's former staffers to oh. lobby yes. lobby the Ducey administration for oh. a, a uh, I think it was going to be a hundred million dollar tax refund that was going to benefit his clients and. Ultimately, it didn't go through, I think, because one of our reporters caught it and wrote about it. But uh, yeah, we know we know Mr. That went up to the FBI, didn't it, Lori? Yes. The FBI was believed to be investigating it as of last fall. I don't know where that is now. Famously, the FBI doesn't usually talk to us. Hmm. Yeah, it's true. Right. They have an office in Scottsdale, don't they? They do. Scottsdale's a pretty up in, uh, up by Frank Lloyd Wright and Scottsdale Road. Yeah, I was looking at that earlier today. Um, they also just recently in July, I know <laughs> it's a good place for it. Um, July 2021, the 
Texas Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick actually put Mr. Ryan here as his appointee on ERCOT for the Electric uh, Reliability Council of Texas. Oh, really? Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's an interesting mm-hmm. appointment. Yeah. Um, you know, he was also an advisor to yeah. Donald Trump on tax issues, which is kind of interesting because the guy never paid taxes personally ever, I don't think, and cheated on many, it seems. Wow, that's interesting that he's, he's on that uh, Texas board. A viewer from Flagstaff, Arizona, says... Coco Nino. Um, Coco Nino. They, they know your work, Lori, and they thank me, well, they spelled my name wrong, and Gal and Lori for this Arizona Focus. It's great. Thank you very much, uh, Stacey. Appreciate you watching. Hello, Flagstaff. Fellow Flagstaff. And Perry, David saying Perry via, I don't even understand what this means, but he does mention ERCOT. He does mention ta- uh, teal and Chinese oligarchs mining crypto and while people froze to death. So I am not even... So this is obviously going to do with the uh, elect- electrical. Um, oh, that has blackout. to do, yeah, yeah, which happened in Texas. Yeah, and he's saying that Perry Aircot is over that. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. So Perry and the Department of Energy boss apparently did some crypto mining or something. I'm not even sure what that all means. Uh, but thank you, David. Um, interesting information. We'll look into it some more. One more here. Uh, Jesse saying. He, yeah, it feels like they have strategically been using Arizona as a testing ground for their slimy antics. I assume that means the operation to recount all these votes and to um, stop the steal. Does it feel like Arizona is is a testing ground for all of this? Well, I don't know if it's a testing ground, but certainly it has come out that it is the Trump. I don't know if it's Trump himself, but it is the Trump group of people around him, Rudy Giuliani and all of those people who have pushed for the audit here and found willing politicians. They found our state Senate president, Karen Fan willing to do this audit, otherwise known as a normal business conservative who went totally whack job mm. on this thing. They found Mark Fincham, a stop the stealer who was willing to push this thing. They found a handful of legislators. They did not find the governor. The governor would not get involved in this, but neither would he speak against it. So it was very difficult to stop it. But remember, the reason that they focused on Arizona was because not only was it the first, the I think maybe only the second time we voted for a Democrat for president since the 50s, I believe. I can't remember the date. I used to know it. And also because the margin was so close, it was something like a third of a percent. Very, very close election here. 10,000 votes out of 3.3 million cast. So it was an obvious place for them to come looking to change things. Yeah, especially it's because it's not on the East Coast. It gives them an extra opportunity, more hours to play around with the votes if they have early access to exit polling or something like that. It actually, it, it helps to have uh, Arizona in the East. Yeah, and, and let me also point out that Arizona is an emotional connection for Donald Trump. When he was first running for president. I think it would have been in 2015 and nobody took him that seriously, mm-hmm. but he came to Arizona for his first big rally or for his first rally. And it was bonkers. There were people everywhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. You don't get those kinds of numbers for rallies. Right. And it gave, I think it was the beginning of traction for Donald Trump. And he came back here many times and mentioned that as well. And the fact that he did so well in a state that John McCain represented. And of course, you know the history between John McCain and Donald Trump. So Arizona is a very important touchstone for him. So it was a natural place for them to focus on, I think. Mm-hmm. 
Interesting. You ran a story today under your byline that about uh, the school budgets and the legislators spending a lot more time focusing on banning books than on fixing the budget issues around the schools. And it seems to be a, an issue that's following everyone in every state because the schools are being targeted by the GOP as a real stomping ground for this year's elections. Tell me a little bit yeah. about what's going on specifically in Arizona there. Well, I think after Glenn Youngkin won Virginia, mm -hmm. based on the question about parents, but I thought oh. that parents should uh, have no say in their kids in their kids' education, which right. was just a crazy thing to right. say. Well, I just think you know, add in critical race theory and all these other things, and that just became a huge issue across the country and a winning issue for Republicans. We have in this state a governor who's the head of the National Republican Governors Association, and he has been very much involved in creating that as an issue for this year's midterm elections. And so, yeah, they're all over schools here. They, there is talk about making our nonpartisan school board elections partisan, which would mean mm -hmm. you'd have to have Republican and Democratic primaries. Really? There are bills. That's Florida. That's <laughs> hmm? like, like in Florida. Yeah, exactly. It's very similar to what they're doing in Florida. Yeah, yeah it's because partisan primaries have worked so well, you know, um, <laughs> but there's talk of doing that. And then, or this week is your annual we got to do something about sex education because there's a book out there, not that it's being used in Arizona, but there's a book out there that somebody might try to bring into our schools and corrupt our children mm -hmm. and with sexually explicit pictures and other things. I will point out that it's a crime in Arizona to show sexually explicit material to children already, but that doesn't right. matter. No, we got to pass this law. We got to pass this law. So we do indeed have some huge school issues right now because of covid it's very difficult to keep the schools open and the classrooms staffed. We already have teacher shortage in this state, and it's been exacerbated greatly by this virus. They're having such a hard time keeping teachers in classrooms that the state school board this week had to pass an emergency rule that says anyone who has a GED or a high school diploma can now teach in our schools as a oh, substitute wow. Wow. up to two years. We already had the rule that they could teach for a short period of time. Now they can teach your child for up to two years. So wow. that's a big issue in Arizona. We have another big issue in that we have a spending limit that schools can only spend so much money and then they can't spend anymore. It was put in the constitution in 1980 and it's a pretty antiquated formula but it exists. And so in recent years, it's often been waived so that schools could continue to spend the money that they've been appropriated. Right. This year, however, if they don't do something, the schools are going to bump up against that spending limit on April 1st hmm. and have to cut a massive amount of money from their budgets because there's only like a month and a half left in the school year. We're talking about massive teacher layoffs, school closures, all kinds of terrible things happening to our schools. And our legislators are debating whether to ban books. It's yeah. uh, anything to to gaslight the parents. And it seems to get uh, moms, mostly moms, to vote for Republicans in in November. I mean, that seems to be the strategy and it seems to be very intentional. Um, it worked in Virginia. Yeah, it's working everywhere in the country. And it sort of uh, is quite terrifying because I don't think there's much of a response to that by the Democrats, or at least none that I've seen. Um, well, it doesn't, it doesn't even matter if there's a response because you mm -hmm. can say we're not teaching critical race theory in our schools. That's right. a university or a graduate level program. We're not doing it. It doesn't matter. They'll say, well, you're, that's, that's fake news. You're lying. Well, right. so there's no debate to be had. They just going to do what they're going to do and believe what they're going to believe. And there seems to be very few people who have an open enough mind to consider 
that possibly could be in sold a bill of goods. Mm-hmm. Jesse D saying, OMG, did you see that the Tennessee school district just banned the graphic novel Mouse? I hadn't seen that. And then Upstate Farmer is saying that's the key to understanding the Holocaust. And what was the pretext for banning it? I don't suppose that's happened in, in Arizona yet, but it's interesting that that's... Oh, yeah. No, we haven't gotten that one yet. But yeah, we, yeah. the bill that passed yesterday would ban not only teaching children about basically sex education, but it also would bar teachers from referring students to any text, audio, or other type of material that has any sexual content or talks about sexual conduct, even sexual conduct, like if a piece of literature says, you know, he touched her breast, that would be banned. The Great Gatsby would be banned. 1984 would be banned. Presumably the Bible would be banned because there are places that talk about sexual conduct in the Bible. Fortunately, a little bit of reason prevailed and they put an amendment on the bill that would allow students to read classic literature, but only if they first get parents permission. So unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, Stacy saying I was in Phoenix when Donald Trump came to pardon Arpaio and we protested and were preemptively attacked by the Phoenix police department. ACLU has been uh, with us since 2017. That relationship with Arpaio is really fascinating. I don't think I've ever really understood it. Well, Arpaio represented law enforcement. He was far right. He went after, he's famous for his immigration patrols. Um, He went after Barack Obama's birth certificate. He actually sent members of the sheriff's posse to Hawaii. I like to call it sandals in the sand instead of boots (laughs) on the ground to investigate the whole thing. No, that's the match made in heaven. And of course, when Arpaio, when Sheriff Arpaio was convicted of criminal contempt of court, it was, uh, I believe it might have been Donald Trump's first pardon to pardon our sheriff for his Yep, I think so. That is correct. Um, So because he continued after a judge told him, quit um, profiling brown people for your immigration patrols, Mm -hmm. and he didn't quit. And so that's when he was found in criminal contempt and, of course, pardoned by he was going to. By the way, he's supposedly was, running for something again. I, can't, I think he's running for sheriff again. Is he? He's, okay. I think 80, he's 89. He's alive. He's 89 this year. <laughs> <laughs> he is indeed alive and kicking. I and thought he was going to be well, the, the Secretary of Homeland Security at one point. Or, uh, I think that was uh, oh, the oh, Department Lord. of Homeland I think that's what they were trying to float him for. Uh, Gal, do you have any, any last thoughts before we say goodnight? Because we're sort of reaching the end of the show here. But. Uh, any thoughts from yeah, you? Yeah, sure. I just, a couple of things while you guys were talking that I was thinking is that um, when we talk about Arizona being kind of the hot for the audit, you know, we have to remember that Stop the Steal actually started years and years and years ago with Roger Stone. And if you remember the Brooks Brothers riot in Florida, you know, where they basically stopped the counting, you have Bush v. Gore. So what I think that they were able to tap into and why they targeted a state like Arizona and Florida, particularly, is there's a lot of immigration there. You have the border, you know, Florida, you have people coming over across the the water. And so when you put a lot of fear in people about others, right? And you determine who those others are and you provide that sense of fear. There's a lot of unbelievable things that they're willing to believe because they believe that this leader is going to be keeping them safe from these others. So I think Arizona has kind of a mixture of that where you have a lot of people who are afraid of people coming across the border and hurting them or raping them or, you know, whatever Donald Trump wants to And it's not unrealistic, but it's just not as often as people, as they keep fear 
warmongering about. And it's kind of the same thing with the schools and the books. It's a similar undertone everywhere. And there's a national push from the Leadership Institute, Family Research Council, um, and, you know, Ann Nelson's book, Shadow Network, will explain a lot of who's behind those school boards issues. Mm. Those are good notes. Thank you so much, Gal Suburban. You know where to follow her on Twitter. Always a good follow. Thank you very much, Gal. Thanks for being here tonight and stepping in so late. And Lori Roberts, uh, tell everyone where they can find you on Twitter. Just Lori Roberts. Yeah. Without the space that's that it. you're seeing there. I think that's uh, it. I don't, I, and, yeah, uh, it's just... And online, if they want to read you, it's at the uh, AZ. Uh, it's azcentral.com. Okay. Just look me up. It's Lori Roberts. Okay. Terrific having you here tonight. Thank you so much for coming on and explaining all these anomalies that are happening in, in Arizona. Maybe they're not even anomalies. Maybe they're just trends that are happening everywhere. Uh, thank you very much for being here. I appreciate your time tonight. And that's uh, Lori Roberts and Gal Suburban. We'll be back on Friday night with the after show. Thank you for being here tonight on Narrative. Good night, everybody. Narrative is made possible by viewers like you. Join today and support truly independent journalism at patreon.com forward slash narrative. That's patreon.com forward slash narrative. Narrative.